faithwire.com. The NBA, LeBron James, and Nike are getting called to the carpet on their overwhelming hypocrisy in regards to China and the millions of Uyghurs who have vanished, presumably in concentration camps or even possibly killed in what some are saying are a genocide. We'll have those and more coming up on the 4 and 3 podcast today is Monday, July 19th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros, and today on the 4 and 3 podcast, where we have four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. Joining me is Trey Goins Phillips from faithwire.com. Trey, welcome back from your vacation, sir. How are you? You know, it's always good to be back and, and talk about uh, what's going on with the NBA in China, because it just seems like... <laughs> It just seems like everybody kind of it's like that that's the pink elephant in the room that everybody can ignore is is what's going on in China. Yet yeah. we, at the same time, we have like the NBA in Hollywood and everybody's still making money off of China. Uh, but no one wants to acknowledge the the injustice is happening there. But there's plenty to say about the injustices that may be happening. Yeah here it's just it's it's just a nice a nice bit of hypocrisy after a long weekend off (laughs) hypocrisy is one of the things i think we note most (laughs) on this podcast because there's just so much of it out there and it's coming so fast and furious i mean the least we could do is point some of it out because it is frustrating at times and um but some other stories as well i mean including i mean gosh the story going on in baltimore trey um that's sad yeah, so almost half of Baltimore high schoolers have earned a GPA of one of, of below 1.0 uh, during the the pandemic year, one point below 1.0. Uh, it's crazy that story and the details about that and the the long term ramifications that some people in Baltimore are concerned that it's going to have. Mm. And we've got uh, the viral mashup of Kamala Harris and Joe Biden of them creating vaccine skepticism. It's a uh, it's something to behold. We'll have that and um, the FCC commissioner talking about granting potentially Cubans Internet access with a with a big hurdle in the way. So we'll, we'll have all those stories and more uh, coming up. And we are going to dive uh, here right in uh, to story number one. And this is the NBA and LeBron James and Nike getting called out for their, quote, overwhelming hypocrisy when it comes to China. And um, there's a there's a tournament out there called the big three we'll get into the details of what that is but there's a but there's a guy who was a first round draft pick in the nba and he's calling out um all of these people on the china hypocrisy um you might recall this all started when uh former houston general manager daryl morey called attention to china's human rights abuses and the nba swiftly apologized to china for the comments and even lebron james criticized morey for commenting on something quote according to lebron that he said, I don't want to get into a verbal feud with Daryl Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on the situation at hand. Uh, and he spoke. And so many people could have uh, been harmed, not only financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So just be careful what we tweet and say, and we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech. There can be a lot of negative that comes with that, too. Um, a lot of people at the time pointed out to LeBron, you know where they don't have freedom of speech? In China. Um, but the, the hypocrisy there with the social justice only seems to matter in some circumstances, but when it's going to potentially hurt like the NBA and their pocketbook, well, I guess we better just shut up. Um, the big three, uh, his, uh, a player in this Royce white is, uh, calling out China, uh, for holding millions of Uyghurs. Uh, and here he is speaking during the uh, post game interview. Take a, take a listen to this. 
That's your shirt? Yeah. What does it mean? Free the Uyghurs, 2 million ethnic minorities in East Turkestan, China, in, in concentration camps. Something we got to talk about. You know I'm always going to talk about the real things. So there he was. Uh, he, he also, in an interview, called out the media for largely ignoring his message. He's wearing these T-shirts. He's writing it on his head. He's doing everything he can. And this, this tournament's on national television. Uh, and he said, when you know a moment like this should be going viral, but instead you get crickets for media outlets, uh, then you know uh, you're doing it the right way. When it doesn't suit anybody to talk about justice and freedom, that's when you should talk about it. He said that the Uyghur concentration camps are the defining humanitarian issue of our time. It's a litmus, litmus test for coherence in our ideas about justice. Absolutely. Amen on that. Um, he also went on to talk about um, LeBron James and the NBA specifically. And he said to see them bend a knee for China in this situation is damning and absolutely irresponsible. To see so many players and people go along with it is very disappointing if my loved ones and i were locked up in these camps it would be devastating he said lebron james need to be needs to become much more serious about having consistency in the domain of social issues leadership truth self-sacrifice he said nike for that matter too and he said the hypocrisy is overwhelming and truly undermines their other humanitarian efforts and so um not really a light left right issue here Trey so much I mean kind of as it's being a little bit politicized Um, but both sides of the aisle have condemned China for their actions against the Uyghurs Um, kind of when the world was learning about these massive concentration camps that were you know revealed in satellite images where up to two million religious minorities were being held under the guise of being a terrorist threat because of their Muslim faith and I think Royce White is a Muslim as well um but obviously, China's human rights issues are well documented. We've covered them on CBN and Faithwire numerous times. But the NBA um, and often the media have been hypocritically silent on their criticisms of China, as White has said. And I mean, this should be a universal issue that everyone agrees on. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, China is a big player. They're the, our main economic competitor, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's important to work as diplomatically as we can with China. But it has always kind of struck me as, as weird since the, the weaker stuff started and this the genocide that they've been accused of committing started. And there hasn't been like this steady drumbeat of condemnation of China for that. Like it's been this kind of off and on like awkward criticism here and there. And it's just, (laughs) it hasn't really gotten as much attention as you would think it would for uh, the United States's biggest competitor, uh, this enormous country, uh, you know, a really powerful country to be committing something so atrocious. And it's not getting the day in day out criticism condemnation uh, that it deserves for this, this kind of activity. Uh, so yeah, it's just I don't know. It's always struck me as kind of kind of weird the tone that the world, the Western world at least, has struck mm. in not really being that vocal uh, in condemning something. You know, there's a genocide going on as we speak on this podcast. Uh, you know, and and it's not getting much attention whatsoever. Uh, yeah. So it's 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 kind of an odd thing. Yeah, and and you know. I hate to point this out, but it does certainly does seem, you know, when we've talked about, Trey, how a lot of these activist groups have kind of radical left Marxist sort of underpinnings, like Black Lives Matter, like they were an expressively were trained Marxists. And so yeah. that seems to be the driving issue. So when you see Cuba and China get in the headlines negatively for their human rights abuses, there seems to be this, like you said, this soft condemnation 
or avoidance yeah. of the issue. And it just makes you wonder, is it because the primary goal for a lot of these activists who find themselves in media or celebrities or whatever the case may be, have a soft spot for them because they are communists and socialist countries? Yeah. I mean, and even with the COVID pandemic, we've talked about this on the podcast, there's um, such little intellectual curiosity among the media and reporting on the COVID cases, for example, in China. Uh, and then you know, the suggestion, of course, as believers, we don't ever want to disparage somebody for their ethnicity or anything like that. But there was any suggestion whatsoever about COVID having originated in Wuhan was was somehow looped into being a racially yeah. insensitive or it that was racist or you know it was disparaging of another person like what i'm just talking about the origin of this virus so that we can <laughs> right. we can hold responsible the people who need to be held responsible uh, and then work to prevent it from ever happening again but even having those conversations was seen as taboo and inappropriate and wrong so it's just the whole way that we have communicated about china over the last year two years has been bizarre, and I can't help but think that some of it is, like you said, Dan, linked to ideology. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, story number two. So in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which saw crippling restrictions placed on nearly every aspect of life, including heavily on the education realm, uh, nearly half of all high schoolers in Baltimore public schools earned a grade point average of less than 1.0. So WBFF-TV, that's a local Fox affiliate in Baltimore, reported last week that 41% of high school students in the city's public school system earned a GPA below a D. In the quarter preceding the pandemic, 24% of high schoolers earned that same GPA. So that's quite a jump in just one academic year. And for context, Baltimore City Schools currently enroll 20,500 high schoolers. Uh, so Giovanni Patterson, a former candidate for president of the Baltimore City Council, uh, he described the data as heartbreaking, asking if almost half of our kids are failing, what options do they have after high school? He added that such poor academic performances will further exacerbate what he called a cycle of poverty that's already gri gripping so many students in the city. Uh, so what's the left saying? Well, many on the left, including the leaders of teachers unions like Randy Weingarten, for example, uh, have pushed for continued school closures and virtual learning, suggesting that it's just entirely unsafe to allow students to return to their classrooms, kind of at least appearing to dismiss some of these other concerns about how far it's setting back students, uh, how it's putting students at, at risk of domestic violence and abuse uh, because they're not meeting with teachers in their classroom, so they're not seeing mandated reporters who they can talk to these, you know, they can't talk about these issues happening in the home because they're not seeing them. That was a, a big issue in 2020. Uh, and then, you know, most students are in school now at this point, or they have been for months prior to the summer summer break. Uh, but unions in big, big cities are still dragging their feet on lifting some restrictions and allowing kids back into the classroom uh, at any sort of, you know, capacity. So what's the right saying? Well, conservatives have been opposed from, from the beginning, really, to, to these long-lasting school closures, uh, arguing that it would do more harm than good. Uh, so why does it matter? Well, you know, what's happening in Baltimore to me is seems to be indicative of what's happening in school districts all around the country, Dan, and Patterson mm -hmm. is right. I think about the long-term damage that he foresees happening. You know, in the, in the near term, the CDC reported last month uh, that there's been a 51% spike 
uh, it, last summer, there was a 51% spike in the number of teenage girls visiting the ER uh, for suspected suicide attempts. And they link that a lot to the lack of social interaction these kids have had. Uh, and as for what happened, what may happen down the road, data from economists with the Penn Morton budget model uh, fear the U.S. economic productivity will decline by 3.6% over the next 30 years as a result of school closures last year and this year. Uh, so it's not just an abstract, it's having you know, real life tangible effects on society. Uh, and it's damage is going to take years and years to repair. So, I, you know, the pandemic revealed just how fragile I think the public school system is. I guess the the silver lining or my hope, Dan, is that it will give parents the information they need to, to maybe step in and correct yeah. correct the damage that they're that they've now been exposed to. Right. Whether it's because of CRT or because of uh, just really bad policy and how we're dealing with the pandemic, whatever it is, I'm hoping this exposure will help parents to take a more hands on approach in their public school systems uh, and, and vote out some of these, you know, members of, of school boards that shouldn't be there. Yeah. And, and another thing, too, is it highlights just really the need for some school choice options. You know, I, I think yeah, a lot sure. of people are just stuck with whatever school, the one school they're allowed to send their kids to, and they're just kind of stuck with it. And, um, you know, it'd be nice if there could be, hey, here's another school. Here's a charter school that's allowing their kids to go back without masks. And then everyone's like, well, hey, I want to go to that school because uh, they're actually meeting in person and my kid doesn't have to wear a mask yeah. all day, when which isn't based on science. So it would be nice to have some options there. Um, instead of feeling like you're basically a hostage to whatever the school decides to do, um, you know, because it is, it's, it's gotta be frustrating. Uh, if you're, if you're trapped in that, um, we, we full disclosure, my family homeschools. So, um, you know, we've kind of been essentially immune to a lot of these issues on our front, but, um, but I got to imagine it's frustrating for those who are kind of just stuck at the whim and you have to go beg before a, you know, school board hearing to, to yeah. kind of, get some sanity re reinstated. Yeah. And I know uh, one family who they kind of saw the writing on the wall last year when schools just started to close and they were also moving like right at the beginning of the pandemic and the schools had just closed and they were moving from one state to another. So they were just kind of all over the place. And uh, their mom just kind of realized the public school system has not been helpful to my kids uh, at all, you know, even pre pandemic. So she just, pulled them out of the public school system altogether and is homeschooling them now. And her son has, you know, he was in, he was way behind in his reading, uh, the reading level he was supposed to be uh, when he was in the schooling system. Now being homeschooled at this point, he's now ahead mm. of his age group uh, because he's got that individual attention. That's not to say that there are bad teachers in the public school system. It's just that they are so strapped with the political stuff that the, their administrators are forcing on teachers and uh, they've got way too many kids in the classroom in some of these you know public schools uh, and it's just that these kids are not getting the one-on-one -on -one attention that they need and if they are a lot of times it's misguided because it's so politically influenced or it's it's driven by some sort of social cause it's not actually focusing on education so there's so many issues. I think you're right about school choice needing to be an option because there's right now without school choice, there's no competition, right? It's yeah. just, you know, this is the only public school you have. So, you know, deal with it. <laughs> tough luck. You know, you right. got to just deal with it. Yeah. So if we had school choice or, you know, thankfully there are private schools, uh, if, if people can afford that and then homeschooling, if that's an option for them, yeah. uh, thankfully there are other viable options out there. Yeah, indeed. 
All right, we'll keep an eye on that story as uh, as um, we see that trend going, and and um, we'll report on anything new as it comes up. And we're going to head into story number three with Facebook and Twitter and other social media giants. They've made a habit of silencing any content that they say or deem promotes misinformation, quote unquote, when it comes to the vaccine and COVID. Joe Biden, for his part, blamed Facebook. He said they were quote killing people because they're allowing vaccine misinformation to to spread. Um, we reported last week how Jen Psaki caused controversy by saying that the White House was flagging posts for Facebook and that anyone spreading misinformation should not only be banned from Facebook, but from all other social media as well. That was truly disturbing and caused a lot of pushback. But uh, so has Facebook's attempts to censor information. That's That's gotten people uh, riled up as well particularly because it has not been consistent. Um, I want to play this viral mashup that's been going around that reminds us kind of of what the media has neglected to remind us of. I think these things go down the memory hole. Um, You know, the vaccine stance that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden had before taking office, before, um, you know, coming out victorious in November, uh, when Trump was still president, listen to what they had to say. Uh, about the vaccine back then. This is this is truly something else. So let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, and it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. you got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation so they can look and see. So there's consensus this is a safe vaccine. If the president announced tomorrow we have a vaccine, would you take it? Only if it was completely transparent that other experts in the country could look at it. Only if we knew all of what went into it. If Donald Trump can't give answers and administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence. But if Donald Trump tells us I should ta- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. So, so there you go. I mean, flat out. I, and this, remember, Donald Trump's not sitting there creating the vaccine in a lab. All he did right. was, you know, help these... Um, manufacturers work quicker and still the scientists saying this the scientists aren't going to come out and say well this thing something that's not safe they're not going to purposely come out and say you know that it's that it's safe so either you trust the science or you don't you know because that's what the left's mantra was after you know once they took office trust the science just bow down to whatever the science says but apparently that's not the case when a republican is in office so uh, what's the left saying on this? Well, they've kind of remained relatively silent on this. And as I said, they're just maybe hoping it falls into the memory hole that they did all this. And what's the right saying? Well, they're generally calling out the hypocrisy, arguing that this sort of commentary would get labeled misinformation, lies. The fact checkers would have been out in force and it would have got them banned from the platform. Yet it goes completely unpublished, uh, unpunished and even unnoticed. So why does it matter? Well, I mean, it matters because, I mean, look, people are losing their accounts, they're losing their voice um, over something that is clearly very political in nature. I mean, I, I, Trey, I really believe that what we're seeing here is partisan politics spill out into areas of life that previously were sort of out of bounds. 
you know, corporations, big tech, etc. They would usually kind of recoil when they realize that ah, this is a political, heavy political issue. I don't want any part of this. And they just sort of eject. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Um, yeah. You know, so so God's still on his throne. I rest in his sovereignty. Um, but as I often say, let's be like the sons of Issachar, people who understood the times. And uh, that's kind of where I want to stand on this because I, I just want to know what they're up to and know where we're at. And right now, I do think that's where we're at. I, I think you're seeing partisan politics spill into areas that it hadn't been before. Yeah, and we're in such a, a hyperbolic time. Like yeah. Just a, a few days ago, like Randy Weingarten, for example, I mentioned her earlier, the leader of the second largest teachers union. Uh, so um, Governor DeSantis, during his, he's campaigning uh, for re-election, uh, and he's released stuff on his campaign site, you know, critical of, of Fauci. Uh, and he's, she said that, you know, he's going to, his rhetoric is going to lead to millions of Floridians dying, <laughs> millions of people dying. Uh, and then uh, just the other day, she walked that back and said that she shouldn't have been so hyperbolic. That, that was wrong of her to exaggerate so much. And I just think that's just so, it, it's such a perfect example of where we are in our society today. That's always like all in on one way or all yeah. in the other way. It's like when the, you know, when the vaccine was being developed, that clip was just a perfect example too. It's when Trump was president. There's concerns about the vaccine, so I don't know if we can take it. It's you know it's not a good idea. And conservatives were kind of lining up like, oh yeah, you know, rah rah for Trump for getting this through. We need to all get vaccinated, whatever. And then Biden gets elected and, and takes off, and it's a complete switch. <laughs> it's like everybody's talking about how fantastic. You know, everybody on the left of the vaccine is so fantastic. I can't believe we got it so quick. We've all got to line up and get it. Uh, and then the the more diehard Trump supporters are. I don't know about this vaccine thing. It doesn't seem trustworthy. It's like overnight we just watched we just the flipped, entire yeah. political spectrum go in reverse. Yeah, uh, and it's and it's just this hyperbole. Everything's got to be entirely one thing or entirely the other when it's like usually the reality is somewhere in between and you've got to realize that both sides of the aisle are playing politics mm. and you've got to find a way to weed through it and i think as as believers we've got even more of a responsibility to do that uh because you know we our allegiance isn't to the the red or the blue but it's to the gospel and you know we got to find where where does where does the you know gospel principles where do those beliefs fit in yeah uh, in this world because it's not going to always be clear-cut red or blue yeah no I, I agree with that and and i think we do have to have you, you got to first think where are am i the, are they trying to use me as a pawn you know and then kind of yeah. because i listened to that joe biden clip when he's saying back before when they're campaigning right you got to remember they're in campaign mode so what is their job in their mind their job is to create doubt on the president not give him any credit for anything and so they're sitting there saying well you listen to his wording he's like would you take it um i mean kamala actually says no which is kind of shocking but um yeah biden's sitting there saying well look if there's transparency he's trying to sow doubt right he's trying to make you doubt the president and say that he's not transparent and that he's hiding something from you. So there's, it's all campaigning. It's all political nonsense. And, you know, Kamala took it to an even farther level by saying she wouldn't even take it um, from sure. Trump, which is insanity. That is insanity. I mean, she would have been labeled a conspiracy theorist, a nutbag, anti-science, all the rest, if it was flipped. And, and, and that's where all this stuff gets really insidious, Trey, is that it's, when it happened when the right does it the media piles on they have celebrities 
The left has the backing of the media generally, you know, and so it all just piles on. Big tech seems to side. I mean, all the fact checkers are liberal bias leaning um, outlets. Yeah. So all of that stuff just leaps into action. But then when the right, we just sit there and you know, we can talk amongst <laughs> they talk amongst themselves. Right. And so, um, you know, it's uh, it's that's the frustrating part, I think, for a lot of conservatives. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, for when conservatives raise concerns about the vaccine or whatever the issue is, it's kind of a, they're sowing misinformation, right? They're right. sowing doubt and it's dangerous. And if, if if the left or when the left was in that same boat, it was, well, they're just exercising caution. You know, we need to, you know, they're, they're being careful it's like how we've got two sets of rules for two different people. <laughs> right. uh, and I think, you know, until we, the media acknowledges that they're not going to get any trust back uh, because yeah. uh, the, the, the writing is on the wall. It's really obvious how they act and, and how they perceive these two issues uh, or both sides of the aisle here. And, you know, and unless they want to, to come clean about that, uh, the distrust is just going to keep, going to keep growing and the misinformation as they say will keep spreading yep indeed so, all right story number four so uh the head of the federal communications commission is saying the technology exists right now for the united states to deliver internet to cuba as the communist government has reportedly restricted citizens access amid freedom protests in the country uh, so Brendan Cars, the commissioner of the FCC, told the Washington Free Beacon there is an urgent need right now, but the FCC can't do anything to help without greater support from the federal government, namely from President Biden. Uh, the Internet, he said, would be theoretically delivered to Cubans via a sidelined Google initiative called Loon. Uh, the technology would fly high altitude balloons, uh, which can hover miles above the Earth's surface in international uh, space. Uh, over Cuba, giving citizens the ability to share videos and photos to social media activities that have been throttled at, at this point uh, by the country's communist regime. So as protests began breaking out last week, for a little bit of background, videos and photos of the demonstrations began circulating on social media with the hashtag SOSCuba. Uh, by this time, though, uh, the, the Cuban government has reportedly restricted citizens' access to platforms like Facebook and WhatsApp, and Reuters reported late last week that atypical mobile internet outages in Havana have been occurring. And Havana is where many of the protests have been located. And a lot of people on the ground, both reporters and protesters, have thought that that seems like a little bit more than a coincidence that the epicenter of the protests uh, is where the internet has been the most throttled uh, and, and the most restricted. Mm. Uh, so where the you know the government has kind of not really been clear about it, it said oh, it's just outages because a lot of people whatever, uh, but a lot of reporters there and a lot of protesters of course think that it's clearly an intentional move by the by the communist government in Cuba. So what's the left saying? Well, many on the left have been wary of admitting that these protests are in opposition to communism. Instead, they've said it's because the pandemic response in Cuba hasn't been that good. Uh, you know, it took the White House several days, not until the end of last week. Protests began about two weeks ago. It wasn't until the end of last week uh, that the White House finally condemned communism as a failed ideology. Uh, and Biden, as far as the Internet in Cuba goes, said that the U.S. government uh, is uh, aware of the restrictions and is, quote, considering whether we have the technology to reinstate 
access to the internet there. So what's the right saying? Well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Senator Marco Rubio, uh, both Republicans, they've called on the White House to support any efforts to restore internet access to Cubans. Uh, both warned that without access to the internet, the citizens of Cuba can, quote, more easily be monitored, suppressed, detained, and brutalized by the regime without any sort of accountability because nobody internationally would be aware uh, of what's going on if the if citizens can't get the get the word out. Uh, so why does it matter? As Christians, Dan, I say we need to be praying for the safety and for the freedom of the Cuban people, you know, for God to use this as a way to bring more people to him. As a, as a believer, I always try to try to remember that, uh, that in everything, even when there seems to be no way, it's, it's, it's God can use it uh, for his glory and, and for the good mm-hmm. of those who, who trust him, like scripture says. So there are ministers and pastors there on the ground uh, in Cuba who are trying to meet the needs of, the, of the, their people there. Um, so we just need to be praying uh, that they would be successful in reaching Cubans with the gospel. And we also need to be praying for the wisdom of our leaders here in the U.S., that, that we as a country can do the all we can to be an effective ally for the Cuban people uh, right now, because they're, they're calling out and crying out for freedom. Uh, mm. And it's not just about the pandemic, like so many people on the left have been saying. That certainly is a factor. Uh, but the reason they're having so many problems with the pandemic is because they've got such a broken and corrupt yeah. communist yeah. government. Yeah. Uh, it's just a symptom of the communism. Uh, and that's what needs to be addressed. And that's what needs to be weeded out. So just we need to, to be in prayer for, for the people there for their safety. And ultimately, like I said, for their freedom. Yeah. And uh, man, it would be great to see Google be used for something good like that. Uh, with yeah. that high altitude balloon uh, idea. For so sure. hopefully we'll, we'll keep uh, an eye out on what happens with that. And also, too, we'll definitely keep an eye out for um, more details we can find on pastors and uh, churches and stuff and organizations that are on the ground sort of helping the people uh, in mm-hmm. Cuba. Um, as you said, I'm sure they're there, and um, uh, we will keep looking for those stories and bring them to you when we have them. So that's all the time we have for today. God bless. We'll be back here tomorrow. As always, head on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. God bless.